What's going on, everybody? This is the Knicks Take Podcast, episode six. I'm your host, Ja So Focused. I'm French. And we are coming to you with a weekly podcast every week. We're going to be releasing an episode every week on Sunday, talking about the hottest Knicks topics of the week and also giving uh, recaps of the games. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the Knicks Take. You can find us on Instagram with the name the Knicks Take. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Knicks Take Media. You can find us on YouTube. And we have a website coming soon, knickstake.com. Be on the lookout for that. All right. Uh, it was very, very slow, right? It was a slow news week this week. Not really, nothing really too big. Nothing too crazy happened. We just went on a little nice little five game win streak. Oh, wow. Way to bury the lead there. Uh, <laughs> no suspense. No suspense for this episode. No what suspense. We go to. <laughs> Everybody we're, knows what happened by the time they listen in. And well, the title of this is going to be, We're Going Streaking! We're Going Streaking! Because <laughs> we are on a five-game win streak. I am about to take off all my clothes right now. That's that's the kind I of streak we are. that reference. <laughs> all right, young buck. <laughs> um, we're going to start off with... Um, the on uh, the eleventh, the Toronto Raptors played in the Garden against the New York Knicks. New York Knicks came into that game coming off of a comeback overtime victory over the Grizzlies, right on R.J. Mm-hmm. Barrett's strong shoulders. He willed us into mm-hmm. overtime, and then him and Alec Burks helped us out in that in that overtime uh, period. The Raptors mm-hmm. came uh, were coming off of a back to back. They played the night before. Uh, they had just had a 22-point victory over the uh, Cavaliers. Uh, Gary Trent went off for 44 points. Um, the last time the Knicks and the Raptors uh, played each other, the Raptors won by 17 points with RJ and uh, Julius Randle both playing bad. And also, I didn't realize this when I was watching the game, but the Raptors had uh, also won their nine previous meetings. So, Knicks really uh, came into that game wanting a victory. Um, Raptors were coming in with no Fred Van Vliet, no OG Ananobi. Um, must win. Well, it was a must win. Uh, we definitely talking about how the Knicks have been playing. Us. Yep, we talking about the Knicks have been playing before, you know, the week before. Um, and we saw the return of the Julius Randle braids in that game also. Uh <laughs> And uh can't go wrong. <laughs> can't go wrong. As soon as he throw them braids in, he gonna have a 30 piece a night. That's that's all-star jewels. When he got the Afro well, that's last year jewels. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not, not I'm not a big superstitious dude, but there might be something to this Julius Randall braids little uh situation because I had just finished play good. I I had just finished trashing Randall at the end of the last episode. He came in the next with the next game with the braids in. 
And I, I'm not gonna lie, he was looking like he was looking real good, you know, in that in in that first quarter. Uh, the Knicks started off strong, went on a six zero run. They're moving the ball extremely well. Um, you know, R.J. Barrett went who had went six for six the night before. He he kind of started off a little slow. He missed his first couple of uh, long range shots. Um, but Randall, man, Randall was coming out and he was looking. He was he was a certain control. He was playing really well. Uh, Emmanuel quickly came in and hit a hit a shot, but he kind of you know cooled off a little bit throughout the rest of the night. Um, first half, the Knicks asserted control over the game, and you know I, I was I was looking at the way they were playing, and even though they were only leading by what. Oh no, they were it wasn't only leading by. They were leading by a good 14 points by the end of the half. It was 56 to 42 by the end of the first half and I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not really worried about, you know, what's going to happen in this game. Uh, French, you want you got anything Kyle to add? Lowry. Huh? Kyle Lowry showed why he was so valuable at the trade deadline like uh, he yeah. still brings a presence to that team that that makes them believe that they can win every game and mm-hmm. He showed it that game, but they just didn't have enough enough uh, talent to, to to play with us that game. At least I mean, at pa- home. I mean, Pascal Siakam. Um, he started that game one. Mommy listens. Mommy <laughs> listens to this show, so now I got to be respectful. But Pascal Siakam, <laughs> I'm gonna try the most respectful way to, you know, what I'm saying, get what I gotta say out. So Pascal Siakam, he's. He's a good, he's a good, okay player. But when it comes to the Knicks, when we play in real tough and we got these dudes who are rough riders and we have the one of the best top defenses in the NBA, and he's like a hundred and sixty pounds, soaking wet, trying to go up against Julius Randle, who looked like he's two forty, all rock, all muscle. Like <laughs> he, he just couldn't, he couldn't get it, he couldn't get his, he couldn't get right that night. So. In the first half, it was clear cut. The Knicks were gonna pretty much run this game away, and then in the second half, Kyle Lowry came out, gave the team some life, some energy. Chris Boucher, I always liked his game. He had a calm little double double, seventeen points, four fourteen rebounds, and RJ just brought it home for us again in the fourth quarter. He proved to he proved in Memphis that he heard. Everything everybody's been saying, the top 25 under 25, he didn't make that list on ESPN. When Anthony Edwards said on the post game, oh, we want him taking that shot. That's the guy we want taking that shot, not Julius Randle. He heard that. Mm-hmm. And he came out against Memphis, forced overtime, hit a clutch three, and we got that win. Toronto, end of the fourth quarter, he hit some big shots. Some big threes. Yeah, uh, at the with thirty four seconds left in the game, they gave that ball to RJ Barrett and he hit the he hit a clutch, clutch, clutch three. Um and that, that three made it ninety eight ninety four Knicks. Now it obviously the game wasn't over at that point, but when he hit that three, I knew we were winning that game. Um sure as hell felt like it. It yeah, like it, it sure. Over. It certainly felt like a game-winning shot because I didn't see. I saw the Raptors chipping away, maybe to come back to tie, but I didn't see them. I didn't see thirty-four seconds being enough time for the Raptors to win that game, and they did chip away. But um, 
you know, I was no, a little no, bit nervous. And it was only it was only only really a game because Noel goaltended, you know, to make it a two point game right before the game was over. But Randall hits hit some free throws and that was it. Um Gary Trent was knocking down bucket after bucket too. It Gary was like Trent he, was Gary Trent he was showed why like <laughs> He showed why his value was so high at the trade. That well, was it high? Because they traded for him and uh, Rodney Hood. Oh, uh, Rodney Hood. So, who, who? I don't even think Rodney Hood played in that game except for like five minutes. I don't remember Rodney Hood being that game, but yeah, but Gary, Gary Trent, Trent actually. Gary Trent just came off of that the game before that the Raptors won. Because um, I said I did. I do believe they were on he the second. Eleven minutes. They were in the second game of a back to back. And he had what forty four points in that game? Yeah, he had forty four pay- forty four points the night before, and he definitely did not seem like that. Them forty four points was was, was was took a toll on him against the Knicks because he still was a bucket. Um, you only other keep thing- in mind who that forty four points was against, because right. it wasn't the Knicks defense. We did that against what the Cleveland team, yeah, who's at the bottom the of the East. That's that's that. you yeah. see what I'm saying. It don't yeah, mean as he- much when it's against the Knicks. Well, you gotta you gotta be me, you gotta be talented and you gotta be a top player to score forty points against us or even close to that. Well, he still scored on us. He's uh, Gary Trent Jr. had twenty three points on nine of seventeen shooting three three for eight from three. Uh, he had himself a game, uh, you know. But you know, we was we're we're the better team, especially when Pascal Siakam is looking as bad as he was. Um, I, I will say that. The Knicks, the Knicks had control over this game, um, up until there was about three minutes and fifty eight seconds remaining in the third quarter, where we had that long, long ass, um, you know, a timeout because the roof was leaking or whatever. So they had a little moisture coming from the roof, and I think that was the breather that the Raptors needed to get back in this game because they. That's when Gary Trent Jr. started going off. The Raptors ended up taking a lead in the fourth after the Knicks had been leading for pretty much the whole game. Um, yeah, the Knicks actually were up by 18 points in the third, and then they were outscored 40 to 15. Most of that coming after that, you know, that little timeout due to the moisture. So, um, but that's what good teams do. Every team in the NBA is going to make a run. Sorry to cut you off, but like. Every team in the NBA, we feel like it's just the Knicks who give up these big leads and end up having a game where we were up 25 or 18 to 20 points and then we find a way to somehow keep it in single digits when it comes to the and the finishing like minutes of the game. Like I, I see a lot of people saying how we, 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 we blow leads a lot, but when you watch other teams in the NBA, every team pretty much is capable of going on big runs. And sometimes there's nothing you could do to stop it. And Toronto isn't just any team. Them they got a lot of the same guys that won the championship mm-hmm. on the Raptors. So for them to come back and for the Knicks to stay calm and understand like this is our home court. This is a game we gotta win. Coming after a big Memphis win that was literally like the defining moment of the season for us. Or at least it felt like it in the time being because we were like Losing, we lost four and five last games before the Memphis game, and then when we win against Memphis and we play the Raptors, that's pretty much a game that we should take because we're home. Their record is what 
five, six games under 500. And we have one of the best defenses in the NBA, an all-star who's playing like an all-star. He got his braids back. He looking good. His shots is floating into the rim. That's how it sounds when it go in the rim. And it's just like, bro, that was a game where I felt a little bit nervous because of the four, uh, the losing in the four to five games. But after we we won that game and the way that we won it, I felt real confident going into the next one. Yeah, to just to piggyback off of something you said earlier, the Raptors were, or the Raptors are currently nine games. Excuse me, they're eleven games under five hundred. Uh, they're twenty three and thirty four. Um, but yeah, we we came. I'm talking about at the time. Of the, I'm talking about the time that we played them. Their record. By the time was we played like them, they five, were six games. Yeah, yeah. Since then, they've they've. Uh, yeah, they 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 they're not playing well. Um, and we're, we are the better team. And part of that does have to do with the fact that Siakam is not playing as the way that he normally used to. Um, I think, I think he had COVID or something earlier this year and that probably affects him, but it's not a joke. COVID, COVID affects with these athletes a certain way where they got to get their win right. You see when D Rose came back from COVID, he, he wasn't right for like a good two weeks. Jason Tatum talking about he had to use an inhaler before every game because he's still not breathing right from COVID. It's like, I don't know. It's going to take some time for him to get his rhythm back, but I'm just glad he ain't have it that night. So, actually, before I go to the next game, I just want to point out some of the better players uh, from that game. And uh, Julius Randle, 26 points on 7 for 19. Not really the most efficient game. Uh, he had eight rebounds, five assists, but also had five turnovers. RJ, we already sung his praises. He had 19 points on seven of 12. We wouldn't, we really needed him in that game. Five assists. Um, Alfred had an all right game. Reggie Bullock pissed me off with, uh, with one of his boneheaded plays, but he had 10 (laughs) points for four of 11. Um, he wasn't shooting particularly great from three. Uh, and Nerlens Noel had a Nerlens Noel game. Um, D Rose, D Rose did have a good game too. Those were those were the key contributors um, to this game. Nerlens Noel had a game where it's like, yo, I love him, but I also hate him. He's blocking shots. He, he or he, he had four blocks that game. He had a steal, but it was like, yo. What you? Why are you bricking these bunnies? Like why? <laughs> why are you bricking these jumps? Like these jumpers that you was hitting before? Why can't you catch the ball? Like that was the type of game Nerlens Noel had in Toronto. So you know that that that's that that was Toronto, man. We we pulled that out like we were supposed to. One of the last notes that I had to that game is that I'm starting to get tired because, like you said, um, yeah, every team has these games where they, you know, they lose or whatever. Uh, but it seemed like the Knicks have more of these games where it's closer than it should be. Like they have the big lead. They win it by 18, 20 points. And then the team comes back and takes the lead in the third or fourth quarter. I, I, I think I actually had a third quarter of doom <laughs> for, for this one, even though like this one was a really third quarter of doom. It was more so end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Um, but the, yeah, this did I'm tired of the Knicks. The, I, it's been like the sixth time in like the past 
couple of weeks or or past month where the Knicks blew a big lead and had could have lost the game or did lose the game. They won this one, so I'm happy about that. But uh, it seems that like that, it seems it seems like that happens more often than it should. So the very next day, the Knicks the Knicks uh, stayed at the Garden, hosted the Los Angeles Lakers. On April twelfth, fresh off a uh, fresh off a Nets ass whooping, the Lakers mm-hmm. cooked the Nets coming into the Garden. So I was a little with no I LeBron and nervous. no AD, no LeBron with no James, no LeBron and no AD, Anthony Davis, no no Antonio for the Lakers, and that's the same. That's so that same team came from Brooklyn and came to to New, uh, to the Knicks to the Garden. They were five of five in their last 10, 10 games. So, you know, didn't mean that they were. It doesn't mean that they are a great team, but they're good enough uh, to beat a good team like the Nets, like the Knicks. You know, you know, if they if they wanted to beat the Knicks, if they wanted if they play well enough, they could beat them. So the Knicks couldn't come into this game sleeping on them. Um, yeah. The Knicks came into the game two zero on the homestand. They just won their last two games in the Garden, and this game. The Knicks at during this time of this game, the Knicks were at 500. So if they won the game, they'd be back over 500. If they lost the game, they'd go back under 500. So, and remember last podcast, I said the next three games we should be able to take, and that was we didn't even talk about Memphis the last podcast. I don't think right. We talked about it briefly. We just kind of you know talked about RJ and how he was clutch or whatever but we didn't really go into it that deeply because we were running a little long yeah but i i just felt like those three games we we were definitely going to take because coming off of like those bad losses where we were like inch and inch and like every every bucket counted in every game that we lost in the last what month and a half I just knew that like we were due for like some some games to make up for Minnesota for to make up for who else we lost to. If I, these, I feel like there's so many games happening that it's hard to keep up. But we 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 had some bad losses to uh, mm-hmm. Dallas. We lost to Brooklyn by two. We lost to Boston by two. It was just bad. They weren't bad losses because of the teams they were playing. They were just bad because the Knicks played well enough to win the game. And then somehow they took the foot off the gas and um, took defeat from the Jaws well, of victory. I'm not saying bad in terms of – I'm saying bad in terms of how I, it made me feel. Like, uh, yeah, I, I was no. like – those were games where I felt like we were going to get out of it with the we win. We could have won. We should have won. Um, no, nah, I wouldn't yeah. say we should have won. I, not, I feel not, like not going into it, but in the when you're watching the game, it's like, oh, the Knicks win this one, or the Knicks should win this one, or nah, or a game a game way. like or a game like against the Timberwolves, where it's like there's no reason that the Knicks should lose this game, like the Brooklyn but game. But that's the only like, game can, that we should have won. Truly, uh, um, I'm gonna look into my past notes to kind of see because there was a game last week that we had where I, where I was like we we had no business losing this game and we did but um the brooklyn game was it's not like oh it was a bad loss because of who they played against even though it was like oh they had no harden for the most of the game and 
they had no um, KD. But the, the way Kyrie was playing, it was like, yo, if the Knicks lose this game, it's going to be because of Kyrie. But I felt like the Knicks should have won that game because they had the advantage. And all they had to do was play keep away, especially when Kyrie went to the bench. So that was a bad loss because they gave up the lead with Kyrie on the bench instead of holding or extending. Um and they had a bunch of other games like that where it's like, yo, why are you, if you have the lead, if you're a good team, you just maintain that lead and you have your starters out there or you have some of your starters out there. There's no reason for you guys to be playing as badly as you did when you were playing good like two minutes earlier. So that's what I'm trying to say in regards to that. Like, that's t- like fine, We made up for it. Yeah, we definitely made up for it. Um, this Lakers game was one of those games where we definitely like we took care of business. Julius Randle said, "Oh, you guys, you remember you remember me, guys? I'm the guy that you drafted. Uh, yeah, hold hold you this. You drafted me. <laughs> remember, remember me. <laughs> Should have never gave up on hold me, Brad. This thirty-two piece. <laughs> oh, thirty-four piece. I'm sorry. Hold this thirty-four and ten and four assists. <laughs> and let man. my man Alfred Payton have the game of his career. <laughs> Alfred Payton was waiting to have a game like that all year. I told you. See, I feel like after every podcast, something that we discuss happens on the TV when the Knicks play. Alfred Payton has the game of his life the very first game after we record. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get back into that because I feel like that about several different things. Um, but, um, yeah, I, the only thing the only thing where I was kind of worried, RJ, well, I, I'm not even going to say I was worried. It's just something that I kind of noticed. RJ Barrett, he went 0 for 8 up until about the third quarter where he scored on a fast break layup. And, you know, even when RJ plays like that, some people might get worried when you see RJ play badly in the first half or whatever. So you're like, oh, yeah, Randall's playing good, but damn, RJ's having a bad game. I I wasn't worried. I'm like, RJ's going to score. RJ's going to help us in somehow, some way. And sure enough, like... He hit he hit that layup. I was like, see, this is exactly what I mean. And I bet you he's gonna score again. And then right right after that, he scored a jump shot. And the Knicks went up 72 to 64. Uh some some of the key moments in the game happened in that second half. What first key moment that I noticed in the game, uh RJ uh committed a foul. They said it was in the act of shooting, which Thibodeau challenged. They looked at it. They rescinded it and said it was just a common foul on the floor. The Knicks, which stopped them from getting three free points, the Knicks made a defensive stop and got the ball back. That was key. Um, because I think at that point, it's the Knicks coaching. were... Yeah, yeah, it was. After I called him out the last game, I was like, oh, you see, all right, that, that's good coaching right there. Another key moment, Julius Randle. I don't know if you remember this, French, but Julius Randle... Uh, I guess he he started seeming a little bit tired. He was trying to take the game into his hands. Tried to put the Knicks on his shoulders. He was dribbling. He was dribbling. He dribbled into the lane. He'd had one of those dribble off of the foot, you know, or dribble off the opponent's foot. Lost the ball. There was a scramble. He picked the ball up before they could get to it. And then he throws up the jump shot. It goes in with, with when the shot clock expires. And I was like, that was clutch. We needed that. That was another yes, key. That, that was another is- key moment. That was another that key. I was like, "Damn, Randall! Right Randall is is beasting. Like he can't do no wrong, even when it seems like he's about to. He he does this. Another key stretch. It's like Knicks. Go ahead. Now I was gonna say, like every time 
Randall like comes off of a bad game, I'm expecting him to just dominate. Right. Or at least take control of the game. Like I felt like the Lakers game, he was in full control the entire game. Mm-hmm. Him, Alfred Payton, they was taking turns. Just like controlling, like you see how the entire game was going at an hour pace. Mm-hmm. That's coaching right there. That's Tom Thibodeau making sure that we have the right guys on the floor so that we can control the pace of the game, control the tempo of the game. And the only person on the Lakers team who was keeping them in it was Dennis Schroeder. He was making some incredible shots. Like it wasn't even like he was making wide open jump shots. He's making contested layups and ones. I'm like, bro, who is this? Dennis Schroeder don't play like that. Well, as far as I know, because the last time I've been paying attention to Dennis Schroeder was when he was in Atlanta, OKC. I haven't really watched him on Lakers like that, but I'm seeing him cook us like this. I'm like, bro, it's always some no name. Well, not no name. I can't talk about Dennis Schroeder like that. But you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no. He's Dennis been playing Schroeder, well, right? But not Dennis Schroeder like, didn't have a big history, but he, but you know, last season with OKC, I think he did start playing really well, and then, um, you know, he he came to the Lakers, and since since LeBron's been down, Dennis Schroeder's been their leading scorer and leading assist man. So, um, I I knew I knew coming into the game that he was going to be somebody that we had to look out for. Um, oh, see, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, um. That's but, what happens when Ola watches Knicks. I gotta start watching the <laughs> games. <laughs> so the the, the last uh, key stretch in that game, the uh, in the third quarter, the Knicks defense clamped down during a five minute stretch and went on a fifteen to two run against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, th- this was just masterclass New York Knicks. Um, they played defense. Julius Randle was having a game. Uh, R.J. Barrett, you know, started playing well at the end. Emmanuel quickly even showed out. Emmanuel, Emmanuel quickly ended up having, uh, f- eh. yeah, this is the game. Yeah, he, he ended up having five points on two for six shooting, but he was hitting them floaters. He was passing the ball. Um, you know, I was I was impressed with his game. It wasn't his usual good game, but. You know, quickly was out there. D Rose once again seems like he's back to normal now. He's he's putting up double digit um, points, and he's been seeming like the better point guard, the best point guard on this Knicks roster. Um, every time he comes out, um, you already said Julius Randle stats. And man, man, uh, Alfred Payton ended up with twenty points. Reggie Bullock ended up with twelve points, but I I felt like Reggie was. I felt like he didn't hit a shot all game, so I was I was when at the end of the game. I'm like, oh damn, where Reggie Bullock have have get these twelve points from? He had twelve points on twelve shots. In the flow of the game. <laughs> huh? I'm not Reggie Bullock is one of those guys I never worry about. He gonna get he gonna get what he has to get done. Like his objective every game is to play defense and to knock down open threes, and he knocked down three, even though it was three for ten. I'm pretty sure, like I don't, I don't really remember, but I'm pretty sure that those happen at the time remember. where we, because Reggie Bullock is good for one of those. He's good for like extending the lead right. or getting us out of a scoring slump where we can't get a bucket and Reggie Bullock is just gonna get the open three. Boom, he's gonna knock that down. And when it's important in the game, I feel like we can rely on Reggie Bullock. But Alec Burks is another one who picks up whenever Bullock isn't up to Bullock standards. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have a good game either that night, though. 
Yeah. Like, this was this so was basically Alfred on the Payton strength of like... Alfred and, and, and Julius <laughs> yeah. Randle and right. D Rose and Reggie Bullock. Like I said, Reggie Reggie had twelve points, but he he had twelve points and twelve shots, and and three of his four makes were three pointers. So, um, right. Uh, but even still, even with with that, the Knicks they they took the lead and they held on to the lead and they this ended up being one eleven to ninety six at the end of the game. They even got Frank Great a little win. run at the end of this game. So you know, I Great win. good win. You know, nothing nothing not too much for me to say on this one. Knicks took care of business. You know, thought it might have been a you know a more difficult game than it was. It wasn't. Yep. Uh, Packed the Lakers up and hopped on the next flight to New Orleans. To New Orleans. To NOLA. Knicks at the New Orleans Pelicans. Knicks and Pelicans both came. My bad. Were you nervous going into the New Orleans game? Are you asking because it was a three-game win streak before that? Yeah. And we literally (laughs) had. Because I was just about to say. Three-game win streaks at least five times. Both of these teams came in on a three-game win streak, and the Knicks had never been able to win that fourth game in a row. So This season, yes. So I I came in, I was like, damn, I really hope that the Knicks are really cognizant of that, but don't also let it get in their head. And... um, but I feel I was like, damn, New Orleans is playing well. The Knicks is playing well. This I, I could see this be the game where the Knicks lose. You know, no Lonzo Ball, so I was like, that helps. Yeah. But they still no, got that Zion. was it for me. That made me feel confident. Once I seen Lonzo, Lonzo wasn't in the game, yeah, I'm like, who who else on this team is gonna facilitate? Because Eric Bledsoe isn't like they. They don't gel well with Eric Bledsoe, doesn't seem like. And he's not a shooter. He can't shoot. Or he like he's good for driving, penetrating. And when Zion is on your team, you don't need your point guard to be doing that. You need your point guard to space the floor to give more open room for Zion to get create a shot for someone else or for himself. Like he's a he's the heaviest player in the NBA. He's gonna bulldoze anyone. And I'm, I'm, I was nervous, like thinking about what Zion was going to do. But then again, I'm thinking to myself, we have the best defense in the NBA. Well, then, and we you, have Tibbs you, as our coach. Were you? And we have Julius Randle, who said again. I was said, well, then, were you nervous when the game started and you saw Tosh Gibson uh, doing the? T- <laughs> when you saw <laughs> Tosh Gibson in the center court and you were like, uh, where's Nerlens? <laughs> it's crazy because I feel like Taj is a better defender than Nerlens. I feel like all three of these centers play very good defense defense in three different ways. And um yeah. He's just Mitch not a shot blocker. Mitch is the best Mitch is the best Mitch is the best defensive center that we have. Right. Um I think Taj is the has the highest defensive IQ yeah. between him and Nerlens Noel, but I think Nerlens Noel well seasoned in is, the NBA too. But Nerlens Noel is 
as good as Taj is in terms of his defensive IQ, Nerlens Noel is. It's not that Nerlens Noel has doesn't have bad defensive IQ. His defensive IQ is good. It's just that mo- his his it's his rim protection that really helps. That that really sets the tone, and that's why he's starting. He's a rim protector. He's he he gets steals. He gets like two blocks a game, two steals a game, and the Knicks. I don't know if you've noticed, but in this la- in these in these in this last week. The Knicks have been running, and a lot of that is because of not just Nerlens Noel, but because of Reggie Bullock's causing t- turnovers. It's because of the tough defense that they play. So, but so when Nerlens get them blocks, that that automatically sets off that fast break. You know, you know, you need you need Nerlens to be playing well and playing like that. So that's why he gets the start. But um, every time I hear a fast or see a fast break this season, it makes me smile because I just remember like. Remember when Phil Jackson came on and he was talking about we're a young team, we're going to be running and we're going to be on a fast break a lot. And then the next season coming, we just win 17 <laughs> games. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. Every, every season they talking about we're going to run. We keep talking about how much we're going to run every season. And then and we, never we get do. on the court <laughs> last in pace every year. Every year. But what I was saying was in pace, coming into the game – well, no, no, no. I'm talking about back then when yeah, yeah. Phil Jackson and them was running the court. I mean, running the team. But I was going to say before the game coming into it, I'm thinking how like Julius Randle, everyone keeps. Or, or I shouldn't say keeps. When Zion was coming up, they kept saying, or Enos Cantor specifically was the one who said, he's just Julius Randle with hops. So now with everyone running with that narrative, I'm pretty sure Julius Randle was looking at Zion and like, let me show Zion who I am for real. Like, they told him he's me with hops. Like, bro, I'm better than him. <laughs> like, I, I, I just thought like Julius Randle was going into that game and it's New Orleans, a team that he just came from before he got to New York. I'm like, two revenge games back to back, even though it really shouldn't be a revenge game to New Orleans. But players need anything they can to get them going, it seems like. So, it didn't even seem like he was taking it like a revenge game. Either. This game starts. Huh? I didn't feel that way. I felt like he came out there ready to prove something. No, he did, but it wasn't the same way like he like he played against the Lakers. I feel like I feel like Lakers definitely he was he was engaged like from start to finish. Whereas I feel like at this game he was mm-hmm. he was playing he was playing. He was playing his game. It was too easy. But I, it didn't look like he was taking it personal like the Lakers one. Like, the Lakers drafted me. They should have kept me. And with New Orleans, it was like, all right, I understand. You got Zion. You, I get it. You know, I get it. You know, I, I left and came to New York. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that, and that's how he played. It's not that he was playing like he didn't care. It's just more so it wasn't a revenge game, I feel like, for him. But go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting. It's cool. This game uh, is when Alec Burks got back into his groove, it felt, it, it, or it looked like at least. Like, anytime we're in a clutch situation, there's no one that I'm happier to see on the court than Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quickly, and R.J. Barrett. Because I feel mm-hmm. like dumb three, they just have a nice little, like... I don't even know what the word for it is. They just like they look like they belong on the court together for extended periods of time because it just seems like they're in a special groove when they're in the court together. 
But mm-hmm. it was real good to see Norvell Pell in this game. Do you remember any 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 of this, uh, the highlights he had this game? Norvell Pell? No. Yep. I don't remember. Because I, I, I feel I, like... He can't play two minutes on the on a on a on the NBA court without catching a block, and he <laughs> he played what thirteen minutes this game, got a steal, a block, three rebounds, and he's mm-hmm. the third string, technically the fourth string center on the yep. team. If Mitch was healthy, he'd be fourth string. Yep. These these guys in the front office, they know what they're doing, man. They they picking up guys who is has been free agents all year, and they're coming in and playing. Reasonable, well, not reasonable, but productive NBA minutes, mm-hmm. and we're leading this team towards a playoff run. And it's just like, bro, when you want to in- insert new players into the rotation, and it's just like you 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 get real nervous with that because of chemistry purposes. And Norvell Pell has only been on the team for what a month, ten, not even a month, ten days. No. 20 days. He's now, on a second 10 day contract. His, he's on his second 10 day. And he just fit in so seamlessly into the offense and defense. I shouldn't say offense because well, how many points did he have this game? What? Like four. Oh, he had four points. Mm-hmm. He was two for two three. Two for three. One missed shot. One missed shot. And it's mm-hmm. just like, bro. If if this team had one more star or just one like one more elite scorer. I don't know where this team would go. Because this team is tough. Even with RJ having another bad, another like relatively poor shooting game. They still went by 10 points against a, a, a New Orleans team who's really basically young, just like the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Athletic. Mm-hmm. And talented, like they have a lot of talent on this team, and it just didn't seem to matter. French, I hear the pitter patter of little feet, so <laughs> don't be surprised if if a if a baby or two walks into the room while we're talking about the Pelicans, or if you hear uh, I miss I miss them. I want to see them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they they yeah. they deserve some time on the podcast after a while. Anyway, what we on episode eight now? They still ain't gonna make no appearance. <laughs> this episode six, they'll they'll be on here. <laughs> For sure, I guarantee oh. it. Uh, so my my uh, the, the, there's a few things that I remember from this game. I and I made sure to highlight them in my notes. You remember that quickly three pointer in the first half from the Mm-mm. from damn near the logo. Oh, quickly when D Rose passed it back to him, quickly yeah. came out, and, and I'm like, yo, he's not about to. Pull. Oh, sh- he pulled. Oh, he made it. It ain't the first like, time he did it this season either. It's like it's he like got it's range. Not, it's not. He and, has and range, like and it, yeah. curry range. I feel like. Well, not I was, curry. I was, Let me stop I was, exaggerating. Is it an exaggeration though? If he's shooting from damn, like he literally could, if he just had his step foot, his right foot back, maybe like a half half a foot, he'd be on the logo, like. <laughs> nah, Curry range is like from Curry the free throw line deep, on the other side of the court, but we we don't know. Like he's he's doing that now as a rookie, and right. we don't know how far his range goes. And he has the confidence to shoot that shot now. So I, I don't know if it's like it. You know, are we like we don't know? Like you could say that, and and you may not be capping. Like <laughs> you may hey. you may be telling the truth. Like who hey. knows? I got. I need to see Curry's more, a more. free agent in two years too. 
Listen, don't give me hope. But hey. anyway, um, <laughs> that was one of them. He that, might make and, it right. And you know what? That shot, you know, I they had said earlier in the game that New Orleans is one of the worst defensive um, teams when it comes to the three-point shot. And it's, I'm like, yo, they must be taking shots because it wasn't just quickly. Julius Randle started hot from three um, also. Five threes. Yeah. And, and I was like, yo, this the, the Knicks must know that. The Knicks must know and just uh, hello. Who's that, Layla? That's Layla. That's both of them. Come on, <laughs> come here. You want to say hi to Uncle? Hi, Uncle. Layla. They got their hair out. Yep. What's up? Yeah. Say hi. Hi. All right, gonna go yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Go night night. Say, say, I, say I love you. I love you. Say I love you, Uncle. I love you, Uncle. Say bye, everybody, on the podcast. Bye, Cass. <laughs> All right, bye, babies. Bye, babies. Bye, babies. Bye, babies. They here getting mad long, yo. Mm-hmm. You remember where you left off at? <laughs> we keeping all this in, except for me saying we keeping all this in, and I might even keep that in. <laughs> um, my baby's making their first podcast appearance. Um, so as they should, as they should. Episode six. Um, yeah, I was talking about. I thought that the Knicks came in with the mindset that they're going to hit their threes, like the the Pelicans are going to let us shoot, and you know. Everybody except for Taj and and Norvell Pell took a three point shot in this game, so I, I feel like that was the game plan. The game plan is come out, shoot, hit our threes, knock them down. Alec Burks killed from three, four for seven. Reggie Bullock four for seven from three. Julius Randle five for eight from three. You know what I mean? Um, RJ went one for three. D Rose went one for four. Quickly went two for two from three. So I, that was part of the game plan, and you could tell, like, you know, like you said before, coaching. You know, the coach, the coaching was really what, what really what helped them establish the lead in this game. And even this wasn't like an easy win because of Zion and because of Adams. Yeah, Zion but, is tough, yo. Zion, but the Knicks, the Knicks came in and did what they had to do. You remember I, I like how Zion was playing that game? He played, man. Listen, that's a that's a. He's moving the like three guys to lay the ball up. I'm like, yo, I cannot like, bro. Is this how Shaq was? Because yeah. I never got to see Shaq live. <laughs> yeah, I just no, seen Shaq exactly, highlights, and I'm like, that's exactly that's how Shaq tough. was. That's exactly how Shaq that's was. Tough. He, Zion has that Shaq has that Shaq impact on the game. And I never thought that we, I thought like with the way that three pointers have been going on in the league, like three, three pointers, you like, even if you're a big man, you need to be able to hit the three. I thought that that meant like guys who have that Shaq impact would be gone in terms of being able to move guys out of the lane so that you could dunk and lay it in. And Zion is showing like, no, you you can still, you can still have that. And, And you can still be, you know, he he's not like he's not like a big man who just stays in the middle. He's all over the court too. So, man, I'm not I, gonna lie. I'm not looking forward to seeing him in three years. Maybe I, I even am. Two. I am. 
Because if he could develop a jump shot, it's quiet. Because it's nothing you can do. You, you know why I'm I'm looking forward to it, RJ. Oh, wow. This is you this think is you're the lure him in? This is the we we had our first uh 2019 draft um matchup with RJ versus Ja and RJ showed out. And this was the second one and RJ you know RJ wasn't the storyline in this game but you know that when as even though they have the only thing I could see is <laughs> RJ saying, "Yo, Zion, come play with me." But outside of that, you know that they're gonna have RJ is gonna lead the Knicks, Zion's gonna lead the Pelicans or whoever, whatever team he plays for. And I I look forward to that because Zion is the guy that got taken before. Zion is one of two guys that got taken before RJ, with John Morant being the other one. So anytime the Knicks play against those two players, I'm looking forward to playing them just to see how RJ steps up. RJ had ended up with six points in his game and he went two for 10, but he was, you, you don't win this game without RJ, even with that. Um, RJ is always going to be one of the most important players on the floor, even when he's playing bad. So, yeah. you know, even though he had a bad game this game, I'm looking forward to the next game because I anticipate that he's going to, he's going to, he's going to have a better game, especially because he played bad in this one. Uh, I, I forgot to mention the other first half, um, play that really I was like ooh Knicks look like they are gonna win this one you remember uh, that D-Rose layup on, I think it was on a fast break yeah Kyra Lewis missed the jump shot oh behind the back the behind oh, yeah, the back on a fast break that was different he was looking um, I was like, like yo <laughs> D-Rose MVP oh nope sorry different year <laughs> I swear to God I swear to God I'm, I'm watching him on the fast break and I'm seeing uh, whoever the dude was try to like intercept and I'm I'm thinking in my mind he's gonna swipe at the ball and then we're probably I'm thinking that he's gonna swipe the ball it's gonna go off D-Rose leg and it's gonna be a turnover he went behind the back and then jelly. I'm like bro what this game is ours if he got his rhythm back to the point where he's doing that again. I'm like, yo, I'm so happy we got rid of Dennis Smith Jr. for D-Rose. <laughs> I'm so it, happy. No complaints. No complaints. That we that was a fleece. That I, When's the last time the Knicks fleeced somebody in a trade? I, do you remember the well, last time? it's not like, a fleece I, yet. It's not a fleece no, yet. A, we got to see what that second – we got to see what that second round pick becomes. Because everybody said we got fleeced when we traded Melo for Enos Cantor in the uh, second round pick. And then that second round pick turned into Mitch. And then everybody was saying that we got fleeced when we traded Porzingis. And then it turned into Julius Randle and... Okay. No, no, no. Marcus Morris trade turned into IQ. But you get where I'm going. Yeah. We got to see the full trade play we got Julius Randle and picks that we are still waiting for. So I see what you're saying. You got to wait for the picks. But so far, it's a fleece. So and far. Dennis if, Smith. If they, if I, they don't, I like Dennis Smith, but he had to go. He had to let his wings grow somewhere else. Like they say. Like it said Julius Randle did for New York. His, he, his wings grew for us. And he 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 formed into a butterfly, and now he's just a star in the garden. What more could you ask for? Hopefully, Dennis Smith is the star in motor 
town, whatever city, Detroit, whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah, I want to call that team because that team, that team needs to go somewhere else. Detroit has the worst arena. It looks like. I'm going off on a tangent. Go ahead, <laughs> my bad. It's, it's cool. I, I I needed you to go on a tangent because I just wanted to see. I wanted to make sure that um, D Rose is going to be unrestricted this this uh, free agency. He's um, resigning. He, he ain't yeah, going it, 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 we resigned D Rose, and he keeps playing the way that he's been playing. You really need to have a damn good player with that pick in order for this to not be a fleece, because Dennis Smith Jr. is not a good basketball player. And shout out to my boy Laval, who was like, yeah, he, it's just the Knicks. The Knicks ruined him. No, he sucks. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Ma, but because, yeah, but yeah, Dennis Smith. I didn't Smith, say it, Ma. I, 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 I like I, Dennis I, Smith. <laughs> I, I wished. I don't I like his him, games more. Yeah, go ahead, my bad. I wished him the best. I wished him the best when he was on this team. And I wished him the best. I wished him the best when he got traded. But, but he did go through a lot on this team, though. He went through a lot of stuff, did. a lot of death, he, a lot of stuff. Did. And know, I hope like he, I hope he does. He gonna get a fresh start in, the, in Detroit. I hope and he pans out. I hope he hands out because he had a lot like, of potential. But I won't be surprised if he's out of the league next year. Speaking of fleeces, it's looking like we fleece Dallas <laughs> for that Porzingis trade coming into that next Fle- game. Am I going too fast? Because I want to transition to I want to transition to Dallas now. I want to talk about that game so bad. We won one sixteen to one hundred six against New Orleans. Dallas, <laughs> April sixteenth, the showdown, the rematch after we lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the Garden. Ma, I'm about to be disrespectful. So just skip forward thirty seconds. Maybe we whooped. They ass. Porzingis did not look like how he looked in New York. He don't look the same. And it's just like, bro. I was sad thinking, we're like, yo, we traded Porzingis. And then I'm looking at him against us in the Dallas game. I'm like, bro, he looks terrible. But he don't look terrible. Let me stop exaggerating. I'm only saying he's terrible because he's not on my team. But he looked terrible in the first half of that game. He looked a step slow. He's missing. He's taking terrible shots. I'm just like, yo. And then I'm watching what Julius Randle is doing. I'm just like, yo, is Julius Randle really this much better than Porzingis? I thought it was closer than yes. that. No. No. It's not even it, close. Mm-mm. And I think Julius Randle is always giving um, Chris Stapps a little bit of fits. I think Julie, every time they match up, Julius Randle always had the advantage. And players, there's always going to be players... You know, unless you're like one of the top two, three players in the league, there's always going to be that guy that's going to outplay you. You know, they're always, you know, they're always going to have that advantage. Maybe you'll get one game out of three or four, but for the most part, um, you have you're going to struggle against them. And Julius Randle is a that mismatch. Guy. Julius Randle is that guy. Game is a mismatch. Me. So yeah, it's um, like, bro, who, like if you think about who can really stop Julius Randle, it's only a list of like two, three people. Mm-hmm. Maybe Draymond and Giannis. That's about it. I feel I feel like somebody else gave him fits this season, but my memory, you know, my memory be shot. So we'll figure it out probably before the end of the season. Knicks came into this game on the four game win streak for the first time this season. Mavs had won seven of their last ten games. We're coming off of a victory over the Grizzlies the game before, where Luka Doncic hit an amazing game winner. 
with 1.8 seconds left in the game. Uh, this was actually the first time that Dallas has had a chance to sweep the Knicks since 2015-2016 season. And this was a nationally televised game. So, before I realized this was a national tele- nationally televised game, I was like, oh, I hope I hope the Knicks don't come with the same energy that they came in the first game. But once I saw it was nationally televised, I was like, oh no, the Knicks are going to come show out. They up. They, they up. They was up they, for that game. And, and on I, top that, of that, go ahead. I, well, I just wanted to say that I was a little bit nervous coming, you know, because while while I was waiting for ESPN to switch over to the Knicks game, um, mm-hmm. I was like, "Yes, Nerlens is going to play." And then I saw Alec Burks is out for health and safety protocols, and I was like, "Oh." And then I was like, I wasn't sure how to how to how to, how how to feel coming into it. I wasn't really, I wasn't really concerned. I was concerned mainly due to what they did to us last game, but we were in that game all the way up until the fourth, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. We, yeah, we were but, in it, but I, we weren't playing well. But this team is tough, and they have, like, the memory of an elephant. They remember everything. Like, Julius Randle, after that game, did you even look and see what he posted on his story? I think I saw it, but remind me exactly what Cause it was. Apparently, after the last time Dallas and the Knicks played, um, the sports, whoever you want to call them, on like the Dallas channel, you know, like our MSJ, we have Alan Hahn and mm-hmm. Wally Zerbiak and Bill Pito. On their uh, broadcast, they had some 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 Dallas uh, commentators talking about how some dude off the bench was giving Julius Randle fits. Let me go back and see because. I don't remember who that player was. All I remember... Oh, here it is. I got the post right here. Maxi. They said Maxi Cleaver was giving fits to Julius Randle last time. And he was... Uh, they were just basically saying he was shutting down Julius Randle. So Julius Randle, after the game, he posted that little sports clip on his mm-hmm. story. And then right after that, he posted Petty King. <laughs> and then posted uh, the Jordan thing. And I took that personally. <laughs> okay, I did so see. I did. See they it. remembered. They I remembered that. what I happened didn't last time. I know what that was about. I didn't. I didn't do my research on that. So I saw the, and yeah. I took that personally. And I was like, "What was Julius yeah. talking about?" <laughs> and now hearing you talk about it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're right. These dudes do not forget. They take personally. They don't forget. Um, they came into this game knowing it was nationally televised, knowing that they lost last time in the Garden, which." We rarely do this season. And then they came to Dallas and then from the very opening tip just looked in shape. Just looked like they was ready to play, ready to ball out. And I'm just like, whoa, this season is going to be like this season has. I don't even like it's broken up into parts. And throughout this season, it's just like. We get little little stretches where we just start performing poorly or not up to like our greatest that we've seen so far this season, and then we just start thinking as Knicks fans, damn, this is where it happens. This is where the season falls off the limbs. The players are all tired, tips random into the ground. And then games like this happen. Where they just look like there's no stopping this team right now. They're, like when we came into this game, they said that we were the hottest team in the NBA, and it looked mm-hmm. like it. 
It did. It looked yeah. like it. It's from from jump. Julius Randle had three consecutive three pointers in the first five minutes, and I was, when you see that, it's like, oh, we came to play, and he, you know, he was his his his, his, his you like you like you said. Now, they were floating, and he it, it was he was playing so well that he had to do a heat check. He was like, "Oh, I'm not missing. Let me see if I let me see if this is gonna go in." And he had his first miss. Yeah, so he checked three. He but, started off the game on fire, like he was he not missing. He was what six for six to start. Fire. Uh, he was on fire. <coughs> he started off he six for six, up, three for three from three. Mm-hmm. And then he, he was, missed he like his next miss. four threes. Yep. And then he just started like scoring in their mid range. I'm just like, bro, there's nothing they can do. That's the, He's that, doing that Julius, whatever he wants. That Julius step back, man. Where did that shit come from? He was not doing that before. He I wasn't doing you, step backs in the beginning of the year. I promise you, he wasn't doing that before. And now it's like, that's his go to shot. Is this, you step and, back. It's not even just regular step backs in the mid range either. It's, he's doing step back threes <laughs> and knocking them down. It's like, what are you, who? Yeah, you saw what he did to Luca? When Luca was guarding him, he he spin. He had a, he was in a post, spun, mm-hmm. hezzy, yep, and then did a step back. I'm like, bro, Luca didn't know what to do, bro. He didn't know Yo, what to do. Like he just I, created space so effortless, effortlessly and easily. And then, just like you said five minutes ago, it mm-hmm. went in the hoop, like. <laughs> It didn't touch the rim at like it was just all net. I'm like, bro, he he was not doing this in the beginning of the season, and now in, casually he's just doing step backs after step backs and making it. Who is who is this man? Like, I I thought we were done seeing All Star Randall. I complained about him, and then it's like he heard like, he bro. heard the podcast. Like Randall, are you listening to the podcast? Are you no. one of like the few subscribers that are listening to this? Because you obviously are taking what I'm saying this into consideration. Because what the hell? Who is this man? This is um, past All-Star. This is all what, NBA, Randall. What is, like, what is going on? So, you know, when, sorry another, I keep cutting you off, but this game had me real excited. You know. I'm excited to talk about Richard it. Richard Jefferson is on the broadcast, and everything he's saying about the Knicks is, like, super positive. <laughs> saying that you know, something, something. Julius Randle should be all NBA, you know we doing something because Julius. I, I, I mean, that. Richard Jefferson don't ever say nothing positive, Mm-mm. ever. <laughs> like, I, and, and there's so he's a hater. Talk, there's so much to talk about with this game too. Um, Julius Randle had 13 points in the first five minutes, so he had three consecutive threes in the first five minutes. He had 13 points in the first five minutes of the game of the game. Um, another thing that I had noticed watching the game, I'm going to step off of, of Randall. Uh, you, you, were you paying attention to RJ Barrett and, and the adjustments that were made to his game in, in Dallas, in the yeah. Dallas games? Like I've noticed it in the games before, but yeah. the Dallas game, the Dallas game is the culmination of everything that I had been, all of the positive that we had been seeing in the previous game. And RJ oh. Barrett, Let me let me just say the play first of all that it made me kind of like they doing something different. Um, RJ Barrett brings up the ball, passes it to Julius. Julius passes it back. He he says, "Yo, Alfred, yo, cut." 
And Alfred is like, nah, give me the ball. Audrey's like, yo, no, go cut. He's like, no, give me the ball. I know exactly what play you And then RJ about. said, watch this. And he passes it to Randall. Alfred says, all right, I guess I'm not getting the ball. I'm going to cut. Randall passes it back to RJ. Knocks it down. I was like, oh, no, it, was a, it, it was wasn't a, a knockdown. It wasn't a knockdown. It was another play. But he, he scored on that play. He saw who it, he had on him. Yeah. He, he, he had, got, um, he, got, he needed the I space. I keep forgetting. He, yep. he had a big man on him. I can't remember the name. It's probably Maxie again. But he Cleaver. saw that. And he's telling he Alfred, like, yo, get. Yeah, he got Cleaver on him. Yep. Alfred, move. Get out the way. Alfred's like, man, give me the ball. Stop playing. Get out the way. Give the ball to Randall. Randall gives it back. Alfred's like, right, I finally move. And then <laughs> goes one on one with reason, this big man. Only reason he moved is because he saw that Randall, RJ was not giving the ball. So he was like, maybe Randall will give it to me. And then while he's like, maybe Randall will give it to me, RJ already has the ball back in his hands. And he's, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to drive it on you now. <laughs> now that he, this motherfucker's right. out the way. So, time to and, get and, right. And that wasn't the only time that happened in this game. Um, you know, RJ, RJ was doing a lot of calling directions and directing traffic. Like he was the point guard and Alfred was the two. And a couple of times, Alfred was like, nah, don't, like, no, I, I'm the point guard. And RJ was like, boy, your time's up. Now, you may not, you may, you might have been, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hype off of that 20-point game you had. We but need, um, this is going to be my team. You're, this is your last season here, sir. Move your ass. <laughs> and, um, man, it's just that so much to talk about with this game. KP was playing trash. Um, he was missing a lot of a lot of open jumpers. He was not helping the team. The, actually, missing like Luca, missing. Well, yeah. Um, Luke, it, it it came to got to the point where Luca Doncic came off the court and KP stayed on the court. And usually, when you have like two players who are considered like the one and the two, all right, the guy who's the second, they play better when the first guy comes off because now they're the mate. And the team just looked worse when it was just KP on the floor. And then Luca came back, and KP came off the court, and the team instantly went on a run. So you forgot Tim Hardaway Jr. was looking like Ray Allen out there. Tim Hardaway looked like he needed to be starting over over Przingis. <laughs> they needed to be have Kleber as a center and have Tim Hardaway playing uh, with everybody else because Tim Hardaway was balling. Tim Hardaway came in, came out with uh, Luca and uh, who was the other? JJ Redick. JJ Redick came out there too, and they helped and helped Dallas out a lot. And you know what was originally looking like the Knicks were going to start to pull away, um, the Mavericks ended up making it close and making it a real game for a little bit. Um, I'm trying to see. There's something else. I, I'm I'm sorry, y'all. My memory is so terrible that I have to actually look at my notes to actually like remember. Oh, there was a point. That's what you got me for. I got the memory of an elephant too. Tim Hardaway <laughs> Jr. was cooking us, and I couldn't blame him. And uh, in the second half, Luca started to be more aggressive. He was he had 19 assists in the first half. Oh no no no! no I'm bugging. I'm bugging. I'm bad. He had. Eight assists in the first half. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't scoring that much. He had, what, six points, eight assists. And then in the second half, he started to be more aggressive. He started to drive to the paint more, get to the foul line. He was doing what Jimmy Butler did. Hit these crazy that. step bark. Th- mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was proving, like, all right, I'm here now. I'm, I was trying to get everybody involved. Now it's, time, it's my turn to shine. And even with that, 
Julius Randle was ready to respond. He was literally on the court doing whatever he wanted and dropped a calm 40. How much he had? He would have had 50 if he would have made his free throws. Mm-hmm. He only missed three. How many free throws he had? He only he met, he had nine free throws. He only missed three. So he wouldn't have had 50, but um, he, 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 he could have potentially had 50 by the end of the night. He went 16 for 29. Uh for 44 points, six for 11 from three, six for nine from the free throw, 10 rebounds, seven assists. This game was better than any triple double game that he's had this year. Do you disagree with that? Yeah. This is better than like... any triple double game. And I was talking about him having bad triple double games. And I know some people will hear, how can you have a bad triple double game? Watch this game. He could have had a triple double this game, but he did it. He was three three assists away from a triple-double. But even if he didn't have a double-double in his game, this game would have been better, his best game, one of his best games of the season. I'm, I'm not – I feel like we. it's a possibility that you're a prisoner of the moment right now. Why? But – because Julius Randle had some real good games this year. He had he had some real he had uh, one of his – one or two of his triple-double games were really good. Like it was a really good game. But what I'm what I'm saying is that – this game, I don't think it's prisoner of the moment. This is one of his best two or three games. Like I, I and if if you want to like, if we could talk debate it the next the next ep, the next podcast if you want. But we were just talking about he's not he's doing step back jumpers, step back threes, mm-hmm. turn around. He's passing the ball. He's 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 not he's not playing like complete trash on defense he had three turnovers but i don't even remember what those three turnovers were it weren't they weren't like oh why is julius ran like no it was it was turnovers that you know you're just gonna have he had a steal he had a block well i have no complaints about this julius randall game whereas those triples uh, the, the last couple of triple double games he had i had complaints especially on defense where it's like yo you're not getting yeah. after it on deep so, so but i don't to be like, fair he was injured he said he wasn't. So, <laughs> but all players are gonna say that um, he was good enough to play. So he's gonna say I'm not injured. But you right. could tell he was hobbling out there from that leg, from the uh, his hamstring injury. And, I have a question uh, for you. He still, still was able to get his triple doubles guy. Uh, is there some D Rose? I, I have a few questions actually. Is some there's some sort of D Rose Porzingis beef that I don't know about? Because. Hmm. There was a play. They did play two. together. They played. Uh, D Rose was in New York when Porzingis was here, remember? And they were supposed yeah. to be the big three. And then he was saying, uh, Yeah, I remember now. From, from jump, he knew that we was trash. <laughs> so maybe, maybe he maybe that's just all like, what, I, Maybe it's because yeah, Porzingis he really is there. PP. Because I, I noticed that uh, he saw KP was on him. D Rose in one play, he was like, "You ain't." Oh, we bring it back to practice in twenty fifteen. Hey, watch this. Hold this. He drove right on him and laid it up on him like he's not seven foot whatever. Yeah, and, and a couple I was guys like, "Yo," was doing that to him. and I was like, "Yo, that must be embarrassing." It seemed like they were Dallas. attacking him. I, yeah, he I was, was like, "This must be this must be embarrassing for Dallas fans." To, to, like, I remember when KP was like a promising defender, and it's like, "Yo, D Rose is just yeah. laying it up on you like you're some sort of bum." And then he yeah. like right after that, he saw KP guard him again. He's like, "Oh, you ain't have enough." 
hold this three. <laughs> and it's like, yo, is, yo. is there something I don't know? Like, he ain't the same, yo. He ain't the same. He ain't, he ain't the, he ain't the uh, unicorn no more. He's right. just back to oh, good old Porzingis. Tingus Pingus. That's who he is right now. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> Tingus Pingus. Um, He's Tingus Pingus again. The, the uh, it looked like this was a revenge game for Tim Hardaway Jr. Like you said, he came out and he was he was scoring. But we're gonna get back to Tim Hardaway because it's gonna lead to another topic about this game that I I will gladly talk about later. Uh, the Luka Doncic uh, Reggie Bullock beef is it looks like was. Uh, in full effect in this game. I don't know what Reggie that was, was about. was like, bro, you're just trying to get fired up. Yeah, I ain't do nothing to you. <laughs> I was I, like, what? I know that look. He had that look on his face like, bro, why are you trying to make it seem like we arguing? I just locked you up. Good. Right. Get the Luka, ball and we Luka gonna lost get, the ball. Next yeah, Reggie was DM him up. Luca lost the ball. And he was like, like he turned He's the ball over. And, and he started talking shit to Reggie, like, man, like Reggie didn't do nothing to you, man. You just lost the ball because he's playing good defense. Don't try like to get Reggie in that Bullock man's head. Smart. Reggie don't care. He's not gonna let you. He's not gonna let you control like the, because that's what happens with superstar players. They start talking, getting in your head, and then boom. Now you playing difference. You playing defense a little bit different now because he. Now he has your attention. You gotta, you gotta shut him up. Reggie Bullock wasn't getting caught up in all that one on one. He's ready for the team win, and that's important. You need guys like that on the team when it comes to the playoffs. Because who every every year in the playoffs we see like these matchups where one guy is talking crazy to one guy. Terry Rozier, Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Morris, uh, Embiid. Like every series has one of those for the most part, and you can see like. Some guys are um some guys are trying to prove something rather than stay focused on the task at hand and get to the next play. Get make sure you get this play, get this stop, get this fucking uh play going right. Like if you get caught up in all the nonsense in the game, you giving De- uh Luka Doncic some energy to mm-hmm. shut you up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you start talking crazy to Luca, he's gonna be like, "A oh, word, all right." But if you if you're not doing none of that and he's losing and his team can't get right, he can't get himself going. He has to find that motivation from somewhere, and then he found some, but it wasn't enough. I mean, this was all this is all like first half stuff. Like uh, this game was so good, man. Like I was taking so many notes and. Oh, I was, I forgot about that too. There's just so many moments from this game, man. The the first half, at the end of the first half, RJ Barrett said, "Yo, Mr. Clutch is back." Knocks down a three pointer right before the time expires, and it's like, <laughs> I, I I had a feeling that this was just gonna be a good night overall, man. Like the Knicks went into the half up, um, quickly was was balling. Manuel quickly ended up with three points. You know, but he knocked down he knocked down one of his two shots in 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 his five minutes on the court. Obi Toppin came out. He played well. You know, he didn't do anything except for get four rebounds. But he didn't look like he didn't belong on the court. About that. Taj Gibson was was key for us. Derrick Rose, fifteen points, seven for thirteen shooting, one for two from three, five assists, one steal, one rebound. It, It was just. 
a total team effort, whether you scored, whether you didn't score, even if you had a bad game, everybody contributed to this win. Um, Frank Nilakina. I I didn't even get into the second half. I'm, I'm look. I have like, uh, I have a book of notes. At a certain point, I'm not even going to lie. At a certain point in this game, I said, you know what? I'm done taking notes. I just want to enjoy because this is a really, really good game where the Mavs were not going away, but the Knicks were, were, were just holding steady the thing that I really wanted them to do. And though, you know, it got to a point where, all right, Luca needed to get a breather. Julius Randle needed to get a breather. And just like French just referenced, Dibs had to go to somebody on his bench, and he didn't go to quickly because he said, yo, Tim Hardaway, he was killing us in that first half. J.J. Redick was killing us in that first half. I need defenders on the court. And you start the fourth quarter with Frank Nilakina. Um, and I was like, yo, Frank is playing? What? And he did the same thing with Kevin Knox the other night, too. He's keeping them he ready. He's letting them know I can. I need to be able to count on you. So stay ready. And when Frank came in the game, he hit a clutch three. Boom. Mm-hmm. He's playing. Frank- I didn't. He didn't really get no stops, but he's. But he when he you have Frank on the court, it seems like it seems like you play a five on six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he rotates yeah. so much. He's getting. He's going over every screen. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro. The Knicks defense is so incredible because you could just see like someone gets doubled, so they start moving the ball around and it's and and players all rotate and recover to the point like they do it so well that it makes you like you passing the ball around and nobody's open. Yep. The open guy, you pass him the ball and somebody steps up right there. They on him, and you like bro, it's no way to get into a rhythm and feel comfortable enough to shoot even when you are open because you're just so exhausted from trying to get open. And when you put Frank in them in, the, in a situation like that in the fourth quarter, when the other team knows, all right, we have to. If we're gonna win this game, it needs to something that needs to happen right now. We need to get into a rhythm, ball movement, get hot, and then get tie the game up at least, or get it just in within single digits, two three points somewhat. But when you have Frank and Lakina going over every screen and deflecting passes and hitting an open three. He's it's like, pest, bro, we, there's nothing to do. He's a, He's a pest. pest. He's a pest. In the purest form of the word, mm-hmm. a pest. He's just the worst nightmare on the other team when, it, when you're trying to make a comeback. When he came on that court, he came in for Reggie Bullock. And it was him, R.J. Barrett, Nerlens Noel, Obi Toppin. And I don't... I don't know if I forgot somebody else that was on the court, but I think Taj. It, that was no. I don't think Taj. If Taj was on the court, then I, I don't know how I missed that because uh, Obi and Nerlens were already on the court. So oh, I'm tripping. My bad. Um. Anyway, IQ. No, no, no. It was Frank, RJ, mm-hmm. Nerlens, Obi. Was it D Rose? I think it was D Rose. D Rose. Yeah. Yes, Frank it was. wasn't running the one. It was D Rose. You right. So it, when we ran that when we ran that lineup out, I was like, "All right, there's no Randall, so they need to hold. They need to hold steady." And instead, what happened was they clubbed, clamped down on defense, 
and they gave RJ the ball and they let him be the first option against that bench unit. And RJ took to that challenge beautifully. If if you don't you, when when Julius Randle comes off of the comes off the court, you're like, all right, damn, now we lost our offensive engine. No, RJ Barrett is an engine in himself, and he was he was catering to that throughout that the first three quarters by playing that point position. And then once Julius Randle got off the court, he said, all right, now it's time my time. I'm gonna either set people up or I'm gonna get mine. And he scored so many points, but. In that in at the beginning of that fourth quarter, that by the time Julius Randle got back on the court, the Knicks had extended the lead. RJ was Mr. Clutch at the beginning of this fourth quarter. And I I just can't I just can't speak enough good words about RJ and the player he's gonna become. He, I think he's, he's still 20, future. right? He he's, he's 20 years old. He's nowhere close and to his prime. And like he's this. doing this. He ended up with 24 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Like, and he let, he started the fourth quarter as the number one option out of the five players in the court over D Rose. Yeah, like, yeah, nobody else was going to be the offensive threat, but he, he took that task and he ran with it. You know, Frank held Tim Hardaway Jr. He wasn't, Tim Hardaway wasn't killing us like he was in the fourth quarter. He was still scoring, but Tim Hardaway and JJ, JJ Reddick weren't doing what they were doing in the first half with those type with RJ Frank defending and RJ was still getting it in on offense. So by the time Julius came back, this game was over. It was a, it was already done D. I wasn't worried about the rest of the game once Julius came back because he had gotten enough rest by that point. He had what about five minutes of rest on the, he got back in with eight minutes left in the game. I knew it was over by the time Julius came back and it was just just a beautiful, beautiful night. The game was the game was over. RJ's looking like hot take. RJ is looking like he's possibly going to be the best player in that draft. That's a hot next take. Over Zion. Yeah, because you got to think about it. With Zion, we see a shelf life for the people who jump out the gym, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a lot more than that. He's a facilitator. He's a decent defender, I guess. I don't watch him enough, but I know he's like a decent defender, so I'm not going to like single him out for that. But mm-hmm. if you compare John Morant and RJ, what does RJ do well? Everything. He's an elite. <laughs> he's an elite accelerator, decelerator change of tempo pace to the point where he needs to get to the basket. He gets to the basket like at will. will. He's he has an NBA body already. Mm-hmm. He's becoming a knockdown shooter. He's becoming an elite defender. And he can finish around the root. John mm-hmm. Morant is just flashy point guard. He could jump out the gym too. But his jump shot's not right. Take it easy. <laughs> Take it easy. He could jump in the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you look at John Moran on defense, do you look at him as anywhere close to elite? No, right? Is he even a solid wanted, rebounder? I don't know if I want to use elite for anything when it comes to R.J. Barrett yet. But No, no, no. I said he's treading toward that elite. He's trending towards this. that. And, and I think that Style. I think I think that 
it's still too early to say anything about John Morant as far as what he's going to be elite at in the future. But that's what makes it a hot take. The the but (laughs) the thing I will say though is that RJ. What is what is the flaw in his game? The flaw in his game is that he doesn't have too much wiggle, which he can improve on, and he doesn't jump out the gym, which nah, it, he has tops. He, but he doesn't jump out the gym, and he averaging eighteen without needing to. Exactly, like, like jumping it, out the gym isn't gonna get you more. He's got like if that was the case, Terrence Ferguson and all these guys who got hops would be killing. But that's not what gets you. It's not the end all be all. Elite status. Right? It's it's right. the fin- it's the fin- it's the finesse it's the finesse in his game, and he and he can still add more finesse to his game. He can still do stuff. He could add wiggle to his game. He could he he can get even better at the start stop. You know, driving. You know, at the pull up. You know, the step back like. He can get better at all of these these aspects of his game, and it's going to be like, how do you stop R.J. Barrett when he's playing? When you know he's so patient, he he's not a he's not like an unintelligent offensive player. He has a lot of intelligence to his game. His game is definitely improved since last season, and that's all work. So if he keeps working like this, what? <laughs> and that's why it's like, I, don't get me wrong. Don't get me I, wrong. John Morant is a beast. Yeah. Zion is a beast. But RJ, <laughs> like, RJ is becoming tra- something, yo. The trajectory, like, I wish I could, like, do a little chart. Like, Zion, Zion's trajectory is like this. We, we knew it was going this way. And then John Morant is just like, eh, it's not going as, as elevated as Zion, but it's still going up. It might, it might, it might plateau yeah. a little bit here. And, uh, RJ was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yo we're like you you shouldn't make this leap so quick and if you make this leap again next season you're gonna be one of the best players in the nba easily yeah. and yeah. i don't i don't know man I, i'm gonna I, i'm gonna stop topping rj but i i, I can't wait speaking to see of what topping his... <laughs> he... he's cool <laughs> Ob, Ob's next up. Ob is next up. Watch. Ob is gonna start figuring things out to that degree where we start talking about him in this draft class more too. Maybe not this season. Maybe next season. But eventually, I see Ob top and figuring it out because he does things on the court that are useful. That are like very useful mm-hmm. he's an ultimate team player to the point mm-hmm. where it's like it's just, it's it's wild to me that the, the the guys on the court don't see him more often and reward him for some of the things that he does skying for rebounds and doing all that stuff that like i think helps they try. you go on a run i think they try ob is going to start figuring out how to start scoring on his own and i feel like next year when we have like somewhat of a more decent point guard who's going to be looking for his teammates. Like, say if Lonzo Ball's on the team, he's going to be finding Obi Toppin over and over and over again. 
Cause Obi Toppin, when you when, whenever we starting a fast break, I feel like Alfred Payton runs to towards the, the ball. I want Obi to have the ball in the fast break. That much I do know. Yeah, yeah. I want Obi. To, I want Obi to get the ball in the fast break. If there's a fast break, I want them to either give the ball to Obi to dribble it up, or I want them to give it to to toss it to him because he's already on the other side of the court. Because I've there's. Almost every fast break that Obi's hard. on, he's he's running hard and he's one of the first guys that's getting to the hoop and they don't stop him. Um, yeah. I still don't. I still don't have that many high hopes for his. That's the good thing about for his potential on this team, on this team specifically. I think he needs. I think he needs seasoning that he's not going to get here. Maybe they send him to the G League and then he comes back and he's a different player. I don't know, but I'm just finding the the thing with RJ. The, the thing with RJ is that I could see him making the improvements that he's making now. Last year, the thing with Frank is that I've seen evidence of him being able to do things that I think will be consistent for him. I was never worried that Frank would never be able to shoot the three, and I still think that he has an ability to drive to the paint more if he chooses to. Maybe he's not going to be a, a great point guard, you know, or starting point guard, but he's he's he is going to be a rotation player when it's all said and done. I still believe that. Oh. Obi Toppin is going to be a rotation player too. But he has Being a, being a being a big man who passes really well is not as valuable as being a wing defender like Frank is. So I need to see more but from But it Obi. is valuable. It is valuable. I'm not and that's why I said I think he's going to be a rotation player cuz I and I think he's going to be able to score. It's just I I don't think I'm ever going to be Obi Hive the way that I'm Frank Hive. Because I need I need Obi to show me some I need Obi to show me something that gets me excited more than his ability to you know do a put back dunk put back dunk every once in a blue moon and do one of them jump passes where it's like how the hell did he do that? Um, Remember, all Porzingis was doing was put back dunks when we drafted him. His that rookie year he was, was full of a lot of putback dunks. It, he was doing other th- other stuff, but I, he, I don't know like, if you can. I don't know if you could say that. He was also seven if, foot if three. KP if KP if we had rookie KP this season, rookie KP would be getting fifteen minutes a game because of the con- contributions that he would be putting on offensively and defensively. Because he's it's different, though. He would it's hit. Really he would different. he his, his three point shot is definitely further along than Obi's. And I think his defense was definitely at that time was definitely further along than Obi's, especially yeah. because he was taller and he had longer arms and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's it, they're different players, but KP was definitely more of a contributor than than Obi is now. So, yeah, I, I want I want Obi to. I'm pan not out. saying that they're the same, but I'm I just want Obi to, pointing yeah. out that like Porzingis wasn't who he was today. One or yeah. who he was when we last seen him as, yeah, yeah. Obi's gonna develop. <laughs> Obi's gonna develop, and I hope, I hope his development. 
you know, is an exponential one because that would mean that, yeah, he's definitely going to be a, a big time rotation player. Um, I just have to see it. And I want to see The great thing about this season is that they're giving us high expectations for next season. Mm-hmm. And because I've seen such a big jump from Julius Randle, because I've seen such a big jump from R.J. Barrett, I believe we're going to see a big jump from quickly, and we're possibly going to see a big jump from Obi next season. Because these guys want to be here. It's, not, it's something about wanting to be on the team that motivates you to be better. And Obi Toppin, I feel like he's from New York. He's from Brooklyn. He, he, his father is Dunk Delight. Like, bro, he wants to be in New York. He's going to put in the work to become the best player he can be. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing about last year that made me the most hopeful for RJ. Because RJ wanted it bad. Mm-hmm. And when you want to be here and when you want to get right, you want to be to the best capability that you could be, you look at all your weaknesses. You look at what the things you can't do. He couldn't shoot the ball last year. RJ couldn't. He could have been like, yo, you got me playing with Alfred Payton who's like one of the worst shooting point guards in the NBA. You got me playing with Reggie Bullock, who hits threes for one game, and then for five games straight, he has nothing. You got me playing with Julius Randle, who wants to do a spin in traffic every five plays and get a turnover. You got me playing with Mitchell Robinson, who can't shoot free throws, let alone shoot mid-ranges and threes. And you want me to, like, you surprised that I'm looking like how I'm looking out here? He, he could have done all of that. What did he do? Went to the gym. He became a 40% three-point shooter. Julius Randle went to the gym, got right, became an all-star, looking like an all-NBA player right now, became a defender mm-hmm. in one season. So when I'm thinking about next season and I'm thinking about the big growth that happened this year, I know COVID had a lot to do with it because it was an extended period, but like, this staff that we have now, I got ultimate confidence in them to be able to get this team to the next level. I, I just and that say, starts with Obi Toppin and IQ. I just want to I just want to point out a couple things, and then we didn't we didn't really close out the Dallas game. Dallas, we, we were talking about Obi in relation to the Dallas game. Obi, like I said, had a, had a good game, even though he didn't really have anything on the stat sheet. His minutes out there were important. Um, the Knicks ended up winning that game 117 to 109, um, basically on the strength of RJ, Frank, um, start, you know, Obi and all of them, Derek Rose starting off that fourth quarter like gangbusters and then Aran coming back in to finish him off. Um, but I wanted, what I wanted to say is that when we're evaluating our guys, we have to, we have to realize that, yeah, we can we can say yeah they can develop and stuff like that. But you have to you have to get you have to limit your expectations based on what they're doing really really well. If they're not playing, if their overall game is not really really good. Last season, R.J. Barrett was one of the best at getting to the free throw line and getting into the paint. Um, 
he was one of the best in the league at that as a rookie, as a 19-year-old. So, you know, and he had been exponent. He had been improving his free throw line as the season went along. So you, so even though um, he, you couldn't say that he had a great season last year. You look at what he did extremely well, and the fact that he was doing something that veterans, some some veterans can't do, something that's going to be very important. You know, somebody who get into the paint and 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 get to the line. Um, and draw contact. Everybody needs that guy on the team, and that's that's something that you know. When it comes to the end of the games, you need that guy, Frank Nilakina, rookie. Wait, rookie, wait, wait! Before rookie, you go 19, on. Year, nineteen year, he was he was a great one of the better defenders in the league. So we have to kind of look at those. What are you doing that you're one of the best in the league at when you're a rookie, nineteen years old or twenty years old? Or twenty one or twenty two. What are you doing that you're best in the league at? Where it's like, okay, even though you're having a bad year, if you work on this, you're you're gonna go from being bad to a starter or of a, a hell of a role player. But I'm not saying that they're gonna become like top tier players. I'm saying that they're gonna make a huge jump. But everything that you just said, if you, it sounded like you were talking about like Emmanuel quickly. Mm-hmm. Because everything that you just said about RJ, you could say about IQ was like Absolutely. he's doing things that ten-year veterans are doing. He's yeah. doing stuff that no other rookie is doing. Yep. He's one of the best rookies. Yeah, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. He's one of the best free throw shooters in the NBA. Yeah, and he's learning how to become a point guard. Mm-hmm. When he when we see him again after the playoffs is over with, when we see him at the start of next season. I'm expecting to see him be the starting point guard. I'm expecting him to see him. I'm expecting him to see him. You hear me? I'm expecting to see him make that next step. That's all I'm really expecting because when I say I want to see Obi Toppin make the next step, I want to see him being the first one off the bench. And I want to see him providing productive enough minutes so that Julius Randle could sit on the bench for... 10 minutes straight if he needed to because Obi Toppin is out there just giving him work. And I feel like it's possible for him if he works on his game to the point where we don't need to bring Julius Randle back in the game. You get what I'm saying? We don't need because of defensive purposes. You get what I'm saying? Like he's going to step up defensively in my opinion, because he has one of the best defensive coaches in NBA. Mm-hmm. He's gonna step up offensively because he's gonna have a better point guard to help direct him around and set him up to to score and mm-hmm. contribute on offense. Like I I see big things happening for both of them because of how I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'm just I'm just I'm just saying like you know twenty twenty years of Nick fandom. You you have to start being able to differentiate like being hopeful with i expect this to improve and one of the <laughs> things not that delusional. i'm losing i'm not saying that you are i'm just i'm just saying like you know i think i'm asking for something pretty reasonable i'm not going overboard i feel like this is something that we all should be expecting i don't i i don't expect i i don't expect for ob to 
give Julius Randle that breather next season. If he does, though, I will. I would absolutely love it. I'm hopeful for it, but I'm not looking for it because I haven't. I haven't seen anything in his game to make me believe that that is a next season thing. That I feel like that's a two or three season thing from him, as a, as opposed to next season because. I don't think he's capable of of being that guy yet. Um, he just doesn't. He doesn't have anything outside of the athleticism and dunking ability and the passing ability. And, but that's a lot of abilities right there. But he's not really utilizing the dunking and the athleticism at all. Yes, and, and yes, yeah, is the key. But, it it's it has to translate you know being an athletic dunker in this league means nothing um unless you're unless you're using it to score lots of points which he's not um you know he was out there on the court against Zion Williamson both of those guys had the same resume basically as rookies and Zion was showing what he could do from year one. And Obi is not Zion. He's not a half of Zion. He's not a quarter of Zion. So you're making a mistake. You're making a rookie mistake right now. The same mistakes yeah. that all these draft experts make. You're looking at him as a finished product already. I'm not looking at and him. And that's as what these product. draft experts I would, be doing in the in I'm the, not, in the, I would, in no, the They look I'm at saying, all these players. I'm not saying he'll never be nothing. I'm just saying, like, I'm not expecting him to be a guy who can spell Julius Randle for long stretches in the game because I don't think he has enough of that game in him yet. And he, you know, unless the next, we have 15 games left, as you said before we started recording, unless in these next 15 games he can show me something to where it's like, oh, yeah, maybe he can spell Julius. Like, just even on a fluke. Maybe he can spell Julius for 15 minutes out of the game. If I could see that and feel confident in that, then I would be like, ah, oh, yeah, next season I'm expecting that to happen. But there's, I haven't seen anything this season yet to, 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 to feel like that. I've seen it that. a few times. I've seen it a few times where I'm thinking, like, Obi's playing well. Like, why are we putting Julius back in right now at this point? But I think well, I've, if in I the have playoffs he has yeah. minutes like that, if, if if we get to the playoffs and we start to see minutes like that from Obi, do you, are you still gonna feel that way? Because I, don't, I can I, more than one hundred percent see that happening in the playoffs where he pr- comes in has a productive five to ten minute stretch. I don't see Tom Thibodeau giving uh, Obi top in more than five minutes a game in the playoffs, if that. So it's possible. I, I'm not even I'm not even thinking about it because Tom Thibodeau Tom. Tibbs is not even that even that type of coach. Like he's not going, he's not going. He's going to play Julius as much as possible, and that's probably going to be the reason why we lose in the first or second round. Is because he's he's going to overplay Julius. But that's what's going to happen. That's what I'm expecting to happen. Julius is in shape. He is, but he Julius ain't going. He ain't going to put Obi out there. That. He. You think he's getting ten minutes in the playoffs? He's not. He's gonna. He's gonna see it's a minute restriction. He can. He's gonna see you got to think about cut. it like this. We have one of the best benches in the NBA. So not playing your bench in the playoffs is actually hurting you more than it's helping you. I agree with you. I'm just telling you what Tom Thibodeau, what Tom Thibodeau does. 
So I don't think he's yeah. giving these minutes to Obi just because we drafted him. He's giving. Listen, there's going to be probably a nine man lineup. He, Obi's not going in over Derrick Rose. He's not going in over Emmanuel quickly. He's not going in over Alec Burks. He's not going in over Taj Gibson. I'm not married to that uh, first thing that you said. I don't. I'm not completely sure there'd be a nine-man rotation. Because ultimately, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not ultimately I'm not saying that he's not going to play ten men. But I'm just saying, like for the most part, it's those four guys are going to get the bulk of the minutes from you know that the starting starting five are not going to play, which is just going to leave Obi Tyler with five minutes if he gets on the court. I think it more ultimately depends on who we're matched up with in the playoffs. If we're matched up against Milwaukee, do you think he wouldn't get any minutes? No. If we matched up against Atlanta, do you think he would get any minutes? No. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Because what's the advantage of putting him out there? The same advantage that it put that he's been out there all year. He, it's not like it's going to be a one-on-one <laughs> matchup between Obi Toppin and the rest of the team. It's going to be what he brings to the team: rebounding. I he could possibly hard. bring shot blocking. Possibly, yeah, like not, it, it's stuff that he can do out there. That Thibodeau can help is us. not a possibly guy, man. Otherwise, Frank Nilakina would be playing a lot more minutes too. Like you can make minutes. If, you can Alfred, make, if he wasn't a possible can, guy, Alfred Payton wouldn't be the point guard. Alfred Payton is a starting point guard because of the reputation that he has and because of the uh, how much experience he has because he's a veteran because he's known as a defender because he because he reliably drives into the paint that's why Alfred Payton is on the court over over you know Frank Nilakina but whereas Frank doesn't really drive into the paint all that often but because he has Are we going on an hour 40 yeah we're past that um <laughs> I, I'm going to finish off with this. Tibbs always is going to trust his vets over his rookies. You have to prove consistently. And this is why, you know, quickly ain't been getting that many minutes. Even last night's game, he didn't get that many minutes. And his, his minutes have been decreasing because he hasn't been consistent. And Obi is not, Obi is agree. not consistent. But he has. You want me to look up Emmanuel Quickly's stat uh, minutes over the last few games? Because I could do that right now. No, I know he hasn't been consistent, but I'm not. I'm saying I don't think that that's, that's why, why he's not playing. That is 100 percent why he's been playing less. Because even even last, he I've through these games I say Emmanuel Quickly played well. He only had three points. Emmanuel Quickly played well. He only had five points, or he only or he didn't yeah. score, but. Because even That's when he's playing he, well, he's still getting pumped, he's still getting taken up. He was he used to be getting like twenty minutes, eighteen minutes, right? Last game he got five minutes and thirty three seconds. Against New Orleans he played ten minutes and forty eight. Against the Lakers he played fifteen minutes. Against Toronto he played seventeen minutes. So you see the steady decrease, like. His minutes have been going lower and lower and lower because of his inability to be consistent, and he hasn't been playing as well as he used to be. Now, 
you know, because he played he played 30 minutes, 30 minutes in, in Memphis. That's the last time he got over 20 minutes. He played 30 minutes in Memphis. He had 20 points. He shot seven for 12. The very next game against Toronto, he went one for eight for three points. He, Tibbs is not gonna is not gonna give him those minutes unless he show unless he proves unless he has history of being that guy. I feel like quickly should be starting regardless of whether he's playing, you know, whether he's consistent or not. Because I think that he, regardless of whether he's playing well, he still helps you more than Alfred Payton does on most nights, even when Alfred Payton is playing well, because quickly is just a threat no matter what. Tibbs is not, Tibbs don't care about that. He's not, it's not going to be based off of what he thinks you can bring him. It's what he knows. And what he knows, he has enough evidence of, Julius Randle playing 30 minutes a game. He has enough evidence of Taj Gibson. He has enough evidence of Nerlens Noel. Toppin is not going to take minutes from any of these guys. Not going to take more than five minutes from any of them. And so I, we'll, we'll, we That's will see. That's the beauty of That's it. The, we making we, the playoffs. We, yeah, we will see. We will see for sure. So we going to um, see. So we're going to... I just want to just touch real quickly on... Um, the fact that Thibodeau, you know, I already touched on Julius Randle. He made it. He 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 did a one eighty after last last episode. All right, Elvin Payton crapped on him too. He's played really well this last week. I called out Thibodeau's coaching, and this Dallas game is kind of oh, and R.J. Barrett also. Excuse me, R.J. Barrett. I didn't call him out, but R.J. Barrett has improved his game, and he and he and all of this is due to Tom Thibodeau and the coaching job that he has done in this past week has been so important. And I have been calling him out because of his inability to kind of move away from this thing that he keeps doing, where he keeps putting out Alfred Payton, he keeps doing it. And last night he, Alfred Payton finished the game. But I wasn't mad at it because of the fact that he trusted RJ to be the engine. Like he didn't pull RJ because Randall was out, so he didn't. So Randall's coming out, RJ's coming out. No, he said Randall needs a breather. RJ, I know you've been whole conserving your energy. Go out there and 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 be that engine for us. And that was a coaching decision that helped us win that game. He put Frank out there because yo, I need a defender. When, when even when Luke is out, Tim Hardaway and JJ and, and um. I, I'm forgetting his name because my memory shot. But he said, yo, these two guys are still hurting us. I need a wing defender. Frank, go out there for three minutes and, and, and hold us down. That was a decision that helped us, uh, you know, win this game. He gave Julius Randles has, you know, his game obviously suffers when he feels tired. He gave him a whole five minutes at, the, at that, in the beginning of that fourth quarter. That was a coaching decision that helped us win that game. Tom Thibodeau has finally seemed to be a little bit more creative um with the lineups that he put out he puts out there because he needs to win the game and that's all I really wanted from Tibbs is to be like yo don't keep doing the same stuff because you know historically it's worked you need to try and do something new as a coach to get the other team off balance you know just for two minutes out of the game. You don't have to do it for a full stretch, but do something that's going to help you win this game. So kudos to Tom Stay Thibodeau. 
yeah, stay less predictable. Kudos to Tom Thibodeau for his coaching. I was very concerned because I felt like we lost a few games because he didn't want to be creative because he wanted to just stick with what he knew. And you can't keep doing that and expect to win games. It's going to give you a baseline of wins, but I'm not satisfied with a baseline of wins. I want us to try to get every win that we should. And he, we Got won this game last night because of Tom Thibodeau. Well, the game season's almost over, so it's like. At, at this point, if I'm complaining about it, it's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's concerning. Season's almost over, but this is our first season that we're actually. You're right. It's not his first season. Average. It's not his first season being. It's above his average. first season with us, though. It is. He's still it learning is. the guys. I feel like he still he still doesn't fully know what this team of, is capable of. Probably. I don't think anybody fully knows, but I think that based on what we've already seen. You can make some adjustments. It, you, I don't think I think I don't think with 15 games left in the season, you can use that as the the fact that I don't still fully know this team. I don't think that's a reason to be like I'm not going to do this because I don't know if it's going to help me. Well, no, we got to look at this team from this season. It seems like is the issue with Tibbs because Tibbs does hasn't seen what we've seen from Frank. He's probably only seen what Frank has shown this season. This but he season, loves Frank. He hasn't shown. He does love Frank because of, he's seen the defense that he offers. Mm-hmm. But Frank hasn't come out and scored over five points in a game this season. I think I can. I think I can find a game where he scored more than five points. But go ahead, ten points. Frank because has... Alfred's high is twenty some, twenty six. Frank had a thirteen point game in Orlando this season. And I I don't have his full stats for the season, but he's just not I, aggressive. Yeah. And Alfred yeah. Payton is aggressive. Tibbs has yeah. no use for a point guard who's not going to attack. I agree with you. If you're just going to be passive with the ball every time you get it, you're not going to play. So he's seen that from Frank this season. And and if he if Frank would have shown that he can be aggressive this year. I don't think we would be having no discuss the discussion about Alfred Payton, but that's just me. But since we about to go on two hours long, I feel like we should address these last two things. I was just first about to say that. thing is um, what you about to say? No, the same thing you said. Go ahead. <laughs> you about the um, Dennis, Dennis Schroeder? No, 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 no. Uh, I was gonna talk about the fact that um, John Henson he's injured, right? Mm-hmm. And because he's injured, that means we're not going to pick him up for the second 10-day contract, which gives us a free open roster spot. Mm-hmm. I've looked at the free agent names. There's there's not a bunch, but apparently there's a talk about us getting Mike James. You know who that is? From overseas. He used to play for a few NBA teams. I, I saw something And like another that. dude named, another dude named Luca. Uh... Yeah, Luka Doncic? Like <laughs> oh, okay. Nah. So, some dude named Luca V. I don't know his last name. Luca Vildoza okay. is getting some interest from the New York Knicks. Nothing really important. I just felt like we had to address it. And the second thing that I was going to say was, yeah, yeah, it's like these guys aren't going to play. And if they do play, I'd kind of be upset because I'd rather see Jared Harper. But... The next few games, we're on a five-game win streak right now, right? Mm-hmm. 
and we have a stretch at home. We the, our next six games are all like is all in New York, all in the Garden, mm-hmm. and you know who we're playing against, right? Sunday on the eighteenth, we're gonna be hosting the Pelicans again. Zion's coming back on and this ESPN. time. He's bringing Lonzo Ball with him uh, because I do believe yeah. Lonzo played the last game. So we got that. Well, who you think is going to no, take that? Lonzo one? missed the last game. I no, think I'm he played. No, I'm thinking he played the last. Not against us. I think he played. Oh, the last oh their Pelicans. last game. Yep. <clears throat> um, Nick's taking it. All right, Tuesday, four twenty. Yeah, we got that one. <laughs> I, I don't think the Pelicans. I don't think the Pelicans. Here's something that I, I I meant to say during the podcast. Um, I feel like the Knicks when the Knicks play, when they play their brand of basketball, sometimes, sometimes it looks like oh they're playing down to teams, and sometimes it looks like they're playing up to teams, but they're just playing their their I their game. Disagree. I, yeah. but but they just playing their game. So sometimes, so you know, I I think that regardless of whether Lonzo Ball is on the court or not, I think this. I think if the Knicks play their game, this game is going to look just like the last game, and I'm going to expect them to win it because they're they're that tough of a team. They have that poise. So. I think they won by what ten points the last game against the Pelicans. They may not mm-hmm. win by that many, but I still expect them to win. Yeah, I see this one being a closer game than last game for sure. Right. Uh, but first, games. before we even talk about the next, the next like game, the next team, yeah. I should say. I was gonna say that the, the six games that we have at the Garden. Are all favorable matchups for the most part. So Pelicans, yeah, we could lose that game, but we really shouldn't, based on record. The Hornets have no Lamelo Ball. That's the Tuesday game, four twenty. I've looked, I've looked at their um their schedule, and they have a good record, but they haven't played a lot of elite teams. They've been beating up on a lot of bad teams to get that record, and a lot of those wins. Had Lamelo in it, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't really view them as a real threat. Hawks is the game after that. The Hawks are a team that I view as having a better roster than the Knicks, I'm but sad. we why? I set you up for the perfect four twenty joke and you didn't take it. Four twenty one Hawks at Knicks. <laughs> You're gonna smoke the Hawks. You're gonna smoke their ass. <laughs> well, that's four twenty one. But yeah, uh, four twenty one. That's a back to back. The Hornets is on four twenty. The uh, Hawks is four twenty one. Uh, Hawks gonna be at the Garden. Hopefully, we smoke all three of these teams. Respectfully, um, respectfully. <laughs> and and um, I, man, listen, uh, the Hawks is a, is a must win out of all all of these games. Not saying that they should they should only win the Hawks game. I want they. I think they should win all of these games, but I. I if they win all but the Hawks game, that's not. They, if they want that fourth seed, they need to beat the Hawks, and I think the Knicks want to want that fourth seed. We. I want to see what Tibbs does for that Hawks game because beating the Hawks would mean a lot. It it would in terms of standings. Beating the Hornets would mean a lot. I believe, and I'm going to check this right now, but I believe the Knicks are only a half game back of the Hawks and the Celtics. Yep. So and the Celtics so, are playing tonight. 
The Celtics are playing tonight, and the Celtics are actually currently up by one to the Golden State Warriors. So yeah. that's a close game. There's five minutes and 20 seconds left in five that Five minutes. Game. They so, lose, we tied up. And yep. I'm pretty sure we... Do we have the tiebreaker? Or we only played uh, twice? We, I think we only played we one twice. And one. I think it's one and one. So... Right. But this is even, that's even more reason for them to, to need to beat the Hawks because the Hawks are playing Indy tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I expect the Hawks to win that game. And I still haven't pulled up the standings because okay. I was looking too busy looking at that Boston game. I got a lot. Uh, who, We're 30 so, and 27 right now and in the sixth place. Atlanta is in the fourth place, tied 30, with 26. Boston for the fifth. Yep. And with those two wins, we could be we could secure the fourth seed if we continuously like. If we keep if we keep the streak going, if we keep streaking, keep the streak alive. Yeah, we can get that <laughs> keep the streak. If we because I looked at our schedule, we don't have a lot of tough matchups for the rest of the season. We play we the Lakers again, probably. Yeah, we have a few. We have but we some. have mostly favorable favorable but, matchups. But that's why it's so important, especially this next week. Uh, it's so important that we win this game. When we that we win these games. Yeah. Um, we're we're gonna by the time we record, assuming that we record after the Raptors game, which is gonna be on Saturday, but it's gonna be at one o'clock. So assuming that we oh, record, yeah. assuming we record oh, after yeah. that Raptors game, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be recording we, fresh off of a Raptors ass whooping. <clears throat> if we win all four of these games, that would make us thirty four and twenty seven, and I'm assuming and respectful and at at best the Atlanta Hawks would be. Um, would be would be at the same record as us, but we already have the season series against the Hawks. We're already beating. We're already winning that um that matchup against the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's just it just keeps it, it keeps it gravy for us for us to keep that advantage over the Hawks even more so to have that to just take the sweep. Um, all right, so. We're running long, just real quick. Uh, another, uh, a little bit of news. Not really going to speak on it. Might speak on it in the next podcast. Um, two guys that the Knicks might be looking looking at in free agency: Dennis Schroeder, who we just saw in the Lakers, um, and Jalen Brunson, who we just saw in the Mavs. Uh, I would yeah, I like be fine. Brunson. I would be fine picking up either one of those guys. Um, I don't really want Schroeder. I'm not going to lie. Schroeder's like he's a good player and all that, but I don't I don't want to waste a spot on him. Mainly due to the fact that we have a guy on the bench who we just drafted, who can provide a much like I just feel like his potential is higher than what Dennis Schroeder is right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe we pick him up for like a one year contract, but I doubt that's what he, what he's looking for. Because didn't he just turn down an uh, uh, an extension? Or am I making that up? I might be making it up. I'm tired a little bit. But anyway, I, I, Manuel quickly is who I, I who is who I would want for the to be our point guard. I like Jalen Brunson though. He's the one exception I would make for that. Jalen Brunson, if we could get him on this team, I would be really happy. I like I like he just Den- does all the winning stuff. I like Dennis Schroeder, but I I I think I agree with you. I don't want him on this team, but only because of of the price tag. I think he would ask for. 
Um, and he's not a defender. If he's not willing to, well, neither is Alfred Payton. If he's not willing to come <laughs> to this team for a contract that I think is reasonable, I would rather uh, acquire Jalen Brunson because I think Brunson's potential is higher than winners. And um, that boy is a winner. You know, pick up Brunson and, and Lonzo Ball, and we got and bring back Derrick Rose, and uh, I, you know, w- one of Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock. And, yeah, uh, they're not really go streaking. That's going to be a tough, tough team. Um, that's I, a dream scenario right there. Yeah, we'll 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 be we'll be primed for whatever star player wants to come and join RJ Randall, Lonzo, and Brunson. I mean, take <laughs> and Mitch. I forget about Mitch too. You know, Yo, can you imagine? We come back next season with an extra star with all those guys that you named and the Nets never win the championship. And Frank comes back as our 13th, as our 13th player. <laughs> as our first, as our first rookie signed to a second extension or a second contract for the oh, first be, time since Charlie Ward. I'd be such a happy man. Oh. yo. That would be so great. If the anyway. Nets lose to Philly in the playoffs, and then next year we get stars in the garden. It's quiet. It's going to be quiet for Brooklyn. I'm sorry, but the 30 fans that y'all got over there in Brooklyn is going to be back on the bandwagon. All right. So we've officially reached that two-hour mark, although uh, we'll, we'll probably yeah, cut it short. Yeah, we too much. But um, you got anything that you want to plug? Yeah, RIP Black Rob. Ah. Uh, R.I.P. Black Rob, Rob, man. That's Uh, tough. I just, I just, I just seen that right before we we came on too. It was like, but I I wanted to verify it before I came on here. Yeah, R.I.P. Black Rob. I, I, I want to play his music, but I don't got my, I don't got my music up. So, shout out to the Lloyd Banks. Always a shout out. With the five, with the five exclamation five points. exclamation points. <laughs> Always a shout out to Lloyd Banks. If we could have him as a guest on this show, I would be so happy one day. <laughs> that would make my day. That that's like my one of my idols. I love Lloyd Banks. I don't know why I'm going. To, see what happens when we go past two hours and start bro, talking about on. anything. All right, I start saying <laughs> All right. anything. All right, we're signing off, y'all. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to us. You can find us on YouTube. Find us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, uh, all of the streaming uh-huh. platforms. All right, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a comment. Like, um, whoa. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Yo, dog, I know you're not still listening here after two hours. But anyway, first things first. The song in the beginning of the podcast was Broadway Boo by my brother Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blaze Harlem. Another thing, the nickstick.com is about to be up soon, so make sure to keep checking us out on Twitter for updates at the Knicks Take.